Welcome to the next episode of the Northern Chorus Fantasy Pints Podcast. I've uh, just about caught my breath. We've been playing six-a-side football before recording this uh, little intro. How are you feeling after after that game? Are you? Is that your response? Is that your response? You've you've not got anything to say. Yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow that. Yeah, we, we did indeed lose to Robin Hood's Merry Men at Lee Sports Village, six aside. Yeah. A crushing we do, defeat. We do, yeah, we do treat those as our rivals. Um, Not, we don't really know if the, they, they do it as well. But. Don't think they feel the same way. Um, <laughs> started off with a season where we, we were particularly bad and we hadn't won a game and neither had they. Um, and so we had a, a bottom of bottom of the table clash against them, which we won. And we've treated them as our rivals since then. We're now second in the league, um, which also hurts me to say. Uh, but we got beat 2-0 today mm. with a weakened squad, but we're just not fit enough. Some of us are just not fit enough. Yeah, speak for yourself, James. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm definitely not fit enough. Um, I thought, interesting, Robin Hood's Merry Men, I think, started off as like a team of like 40 to 50 year old men with one young lad that was obviously one of the kids. And now they've, the older men have now gone and it's just a team of people a lot younger than us. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's harder to play against them, but it's okay. We, we move on. We move towards the Otley run, which is our end of season due in a few weeks time. It yeah, doesn't matter about weeks. results. Yeah. Four weeks, three, uh, four, three weeks on Saturday. Yeah. Boom. But I think it Snap continues again. You what? Snap me tooth again. That should just be taken as a given. You should inform us if you've not snapped your tooth. <laughs> well, it's it's the it's the temporary thing just keeps coming off. So it's getting put back on again on Friday. I am going away on Sunday, which we will get to. Uh, we'll get and then, to. Yeah. After that, I am getting a more permanent new veneer on the tooth. Uh, for anyone who's listened to this podcast, this is the first one you've listened to. Um three four weeks ago i'm a musician snapped my tooth in a bar fella landed on a mic stand microphone smashed into the mouth half a tooth um four times now it's come off giving up with it to be honest but i would quite like to take some happy pictures in new york so you, you should have just pretended that you uh, did it against robin hood's merry men but oh well you missed an opportunity yeah. well the reality is i did it brushing my teeth not the tooth to the side and it just came off who have we got this week? Uh, this is one that I was very excited for, um, but unfortunately could not attend because my daughter has chicken pox and requires my full attention at the time at which we uh, were scheduled to record, which is unfortunate. Um, it is the Wombat's own Dan Haggis. Uh, Sean, how have you managed this? How have I managed it? What, yeah. do, you, what do you mean by that? How, 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 have we, how have we got ourselves in a position where we're talking to Dan Haggis? You mean how does a Wombats, a member of the Wombats get himself into a position where he can talk to the Northern Chorus Fantasy Pints podcast? That too. I'll tell you what it is. It's because he's a lovely fella who's got time for very small podcasts. Valuable time. Valuable time, but you weren't there to say it this time. So, um, yeah, I think just he's fresh from Lollapalooza. Um, just got back from Lollapalooza, and uh, here he is. 
lovely stuff. And we're joined this week by the drummer of one of the UK's leading indie bands, The Wombats. It's Dan Haggis. How are you doing? Hello. Yeah, very good. Just getting over some jet lag from South America that's been lingering all week. Uh, but getting there, getting there. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Lollapalooza, wasn't it? Um, so how was that? I've, I've heard there was a, a little bit of a weather issue for, <laughs> for the set. Oh, it was crazy. Um, yeah, the whole thing was amazing. Like we did um, Santiago, Chile, Buenos Aires and Argentina for the first time. Um, and it's always so nice, like playing new cities and new countries. And, you know, you never it feels like the early days because you just don't know when if anyone's going to turn up, whether they're going to know the songs and all that. So, um, yeah, it feels really exciting. And the crowds were great, really friendly, welcoming, sang along, danced. Um, and then Sao Paulo, uh, we got five songs into our set, well, four and a half. We were halfway through Kill the Director and then it started spitting and then it just it just rained harder and harder and harder until it got to the point when it was like tropical storm, okay. um, and like the we were you know trying to sing but water just going in your eyes, <laughs> almost like symbols falling over and stuff. And the stage manager and our tour manager just ran on stage like get off, get off, because yeah. they were worried the stage was going to collapse or something. Because like the one of the back trusses did actually like apparently shift a little bit. And they got really worried because the wind was blowing all, the, you know, there's like flaps and stuff protecting from the rain and they were all blowing off and it was, yeah, it was pretty mad. Yeah. But we were just so gutted to not be able to finish the set because it was going so well. And, um, you know, when you haven't played in a city before um, or not for a long, long time, it's it's so nice to finally get over there and you've gone all that way. Mm. Everything you do just builds up to this one moment, this one hour, and then yeah. to not be able to do it was was quite frustrating, but... Anyway, yeah. these things happen. Hopefully we'll get back there one day. I was going to say, I'm sure you, you could go back there. But I always see these <laughs> sort of videos of, of South American gigs. Um, <clears throat> the fans seem quite um, quite wild on, on, on a lot of them. Was that your experience as well? Yeah, they were amazing. Like, you know, they had like flags with our, the Wombats written on it and they were doing <laughs> these chants in between like, ole, 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 <laughs> Wombats, Wombats. <laughs> and like, you know, but they all just go for it and... But it's 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 quite. It kind of reminded me of the UK, to be honest. You know, the the, the atmosphere at UK festivals are always just crazy, and yeah. you know, people just let loose and <laughs> sing their sing along, dance along, lose mm. their inhibitions for the weekend, and um, yeah, yeah, it, it is similar vibe. You say the UK, people always say Scotland in particular. Is that what you've found as well? Whenever you ask <laughs> um, anyone, it's always Scotland is the craziest crowd. I guess. Yeah, we've had a. I mean, honestly, the whole the whole UK for us is always like. In a, it's it's kind of hard to pick where anywhere is 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 like wilder than the other, but um, yeah, we've had a couple like back in the early days, especially like Glasgow. I remember was always just off the charts, mm. um, and you know, there's much more like beer getting thrown around and stuff, and um, yeah. but yeah, honestly, the whole the whole UK is just yeah. it's all yeah. pretty much a muchness. Yeah, I imagine Liverpool's not too shabby for you as well. Yeah, so, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you did go on the US tour, didn't you, before beforehand? Um, so what I imagine that there were some places you visited there that you might not have played before. So what was that experience like? Um, I think it, with, with America, like in general, we I'm not sure if there was uh, I'm not sure there was anywhere we hadn't played before, but mm. we you, you tend to do like a similar route. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's because it's such a big country, you kind of there are certain places you just have to play to connect mm. dots. Um, and 
it, it's it's amazing like playing over there you know it's every band's kind of dream when you're a teenager like to do a road trip around america and <laughs> tour over there um especially when so many bands that you know we all grew up listening to are from the states and um it kind of like there's a lot of cities where you're like oh wow you know you play in seattle and it's like grunge almost like started yeah. here and mm. um you know, go to LA and it's like, wow, the Beach Boys recorded down the road there. And, you know, <laughs> everywhere you go, it's kind of, um, yeah. there's like musical history and stuff. And then people are just so lovely and friendly and, you know, our fans are great over there. And there is just that sense of adventure in the wide open road. And um, yeah. it's pretty mm-hmm. knackering. Like I've forgotten after the pandemic, you know, after two years of barely traveling to then get back on a tour bus and have like regular 10, 11, 12 hour drives, um, with lots of potholes waking you up in between um, <laughs> and then having to function the next day and do interviews and gigs. And away from the music, it's, I suppose, a just brilliant experience as well. Here's an off-piece question. What, what's the best bit of food you had when you were either in South America or America? Oh, wow. Um, best piece of food I had? Because I imagine they've got uh, quite, a, quite a, particularly South America, I bet it's got a diff- bit of a different um, vibe yeah, to it. Um, so in South America, the first thing that popped into my head was these um, these things in Sao Paulo. I think it was like Quencha or something like that. I can't remember the name, but mm. they were like these conical um, kind of empanada. Well, no, it wasn't empanada. It was like a croquette almost, like kind of a deep fried, but it was like made from potato dough or flour or something. Mm. And then it had like a filling inside and then breadcrumbs like fried. And you had it with this like really spicy sauce mm. um, and kind of like a cold slurry type remoulade thing um yeah and and that with a little beer sat out on the streets in 30 degrees that was a pretty good moment <laughs> that's uh that sounds good um, yeah. and now i regret asking the question because i am hungry again but... i know it's getting close <laughs> to lunchtime isn't it <laughs> <laughs> definitely is um so we have to talk about the album uh, fix yourself not the world firstly it was your first uk number one album um, yeah it was so what what did that feel like um, yeah, we were actually in Washington when we found out all together, fortunately. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was a big surprise to be honest. We obviously we've you know I think we've had a couple of number twos, number threes, and while it's only a number and it kind of you know it's kind of arbitrary because one week you might it might be enough sales to get number one, but then the next week it wouldn't be. So it's but it it's still really fun. You know, it's like such sort of career milestones sense of achievements um Mm. you know it's one of those things you can put on your shelf and when you're having like a a dark day later in life and you can be like oh wow all that hard work kind of paid off and there's the representation of it um and more than anything it just it was kind of we'd worked so hard at it through the pandemic it was quite an unusual process and to come out of it with an album that we were really happy with and um felt like a real good step and you know forwards for us as a band um, and for fans to like still be there and engage and like you know be really into the album that that was the best you know that's the best feeling ever because <laughs> you have a lot of time building up to releasing an album to think mm. oh how's it gonna go and then um yeah. so it's kind of a nice one out of the starting gates to get that like yeah off you go guys <laughs> yeah well it's a, it's a great album and it's a great title as well and I've seen a lot of people mention the title and I remember when I first um, sort of shared it with my mate who the first thing he said was oh great title so where did that where did the title stem from yeah so we were we towards the end of the recording process um Murph sent an email over saying I was thinking this like for the album title what do you reckon and we all we started an email thread like talking about it 
and we realized pretty quickly how many questions it threw up for all of us um mm. which we absolutely loved um you know because i think the album in general there's lots of subjects and um issues and times of our lives that like have gone into it and and it felt like during the pandemic there was so it was such a strange period for everyone and you know you didn't have as many distractions as we had pre-pandemic and so there was you were kind of just left to your own devices with your own brain a lot of the time and any of those issues or demons that needed to be dealt with that you could easily distract from before kind of you had to face up to them and um I think it was so when we said when we started talking about the album title it was like oh wow actually this feels like the, a perfect way to sum up kind of the journey that we've all been on um through the pandemic and learning to like accept who you are how you feel your flaws your whatever you know everything that's going on in your life and just try and accept it and realize you can't control everything in the world you know it's a big old place and to get too bogged down or distracted by everything else that's going on you can often neglect like what's actually happening in your own head um mm. so i think that was the main thing but then we some of the one of the threads we, we had it was like well we don't want it to come across as like a selfish title meaning you know mm. yeah we don't care about the rest of the world just think about yourself like you know that's all that matters because obviously yeah. that was not the that's not the intention of the title um but it was more you know if you're really depressed and anxious and can't even get out of bed then you're not going to be able to help anyone yeah. in your family or society or anything um but so that's why we called the last song on the album um fix yourself then the world um mm. to kind of hopefully the journey from the craziness of flip me upside down to uh the la you know the last song it was like mm. hopefully you do get to that same place that we got to of well trying to accept <laughs> yeah. things as they were um mm. and that things weren't the same as they were before um but that's okay you just gotta deal with your shit yeah yeah, and it's been, it's been really well received. Um, how has it gone down live and what, what's maybe your favourite track to play from the album? Um, yeah, it's been amazing to play live uh, room because of the pandemic. So to actually get in a room together playing the songs, you know, properly was such an amazing feeling. And then to have fans kind of sing back and, you know, have that interaction and moment um, was just uh, it's it's kind of hard to put into words but um favorite song was probably it's it keep i think it's method to the madness okay. it keeps like every time we play it it's such a nice like break in the set for the first bit but then the build up into the last section where it kicks off has yeah. been like i mean in in santiago chile a couple of weeks ago the whole crowd without us even telling them started all sitting down <laughs> and then we ended up with like thousands of people sat down on the floor and as it built up to the end you know, when it actually kicked off, they all jumped up and like water <laughs> went spraying everywhere. It was it was amazing, like proper goosebumps. And we've had quite a few mosh pits in that end bit as well in America. And it, it mm. seems like and, and just as a song as well, it, it's just such a fun one to play. Um, yeah. Really dynamic. And so, yeah, probably go for that one. Yeah. You have to get that going at the UK tour then. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you said, it's, it's a landmark sort of milestone number one album and it's sort of testament to the ascension of the band I suppose but I remember reading comments I think Murph made where he was like at one point he wasn't sure sort of where it was going and then suddenly it was a new lease of life and he thought we can headline festivals and, and stuff like that what's your perception on that what's what's kind of the trick to the longevity of, of 
one? Uh, yeah, I mean, as with any long relationship or, you know, um, like friendship like we've had, um, you obviously have, especially when there's all the like creativity and and how busy we are on tour and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. there's going to be like ups and downs and you get stressed sometimes. And, you know, I think probably what Murph was referring to was after the third album, we got dropped by Warners. Mm-hmm. And so I think that kind of, it was so weird because like we'd done our biggest London show the night before we got dropped and we played it like Alexandra Palace. Yeah. Uh, sold out gig at the best time. <clears throat> Woke up the next day in Edinburgh and we got a call from our manager saying like they're not going to pick up the next option. Um, which I mean, that sounds better than being dropped, but you know, they basically they didn't they didn't pick up the next album option, but that was because there'd been a change. You know, like the the uh, the chairman of the company, the head of the company, the A and R guy. You know, the people who'd like brought us into Warner's in the early days, um, they were no longer there. So I could rationalize it quite easily, to be honest, and because everything was going well live, and and um, but I think yeah, it was it was a bit of a blow, I guess, and Murph definitely took it a bit you know he's maybe more sensitive to it than than me and Todd were mm. um and it's worked out you know it's been the best thing that could ever have happened it was yeah. an absolute blessing in disguise um you know we we do think we record at the albums and then license them without to AWOL um that we that's what we've done for the last couple and it there's just no one looking over your shoulder like you know we just deliver the album and yeah you, they give you know they're great and they give us some feedback on like um, which songs are their favourites and, you know, if they've got any thoughts on anything. But in general, it's kind of just like, yeah, guys, make an album and let us know when it's ready. So mm. it's a really nice way of working. Um, yeah. And, I mean, in terms of longevity, I think it's just that we always put, like, the music and the band kind of before us three almost. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, the, that that sort of, like, family unit is what's most important. And mm. we've got a really good, like, touring crew that have been really loyal over the years like so we've got a really nice like tightly knit unit and so you know all the traveling and everything like feels easier because we have like good friends on tour with us um and we just want to like keep making music and like soundtracking our lives really as long as we possibly can (laughs) yeah because it's it's not as if it's just it's just a band sticking around. It's a band going from strength to strength, sort of climbing festival lineups still. So it must be an amazing feeling to still yeah, be a part of it. It is awesome. I think like um, you know, we've had a there's obviously you have some songs that do all right at radio, and then with streaming, we've been quite lucky with I guess how there's lots of like indie rock playlists, and so maybe like you know the the, the next generation coming through have like discovered our music as well. Um, yeah. And then we had that like viral TikTok thing with a Greek tragedy remix that hmm. was probably a, discovered by a whole another group of people. And um, yeah. I don't know, I think we've just been a bit lucky along the way as well, where people have just stumbled upon our music, however, and then gotten into it and it's made them feel something and then come along to gigs. And I think the longer you do it as well, you become like a bit more of a, um, a sort of a stable, oh yeah, that's you know we know that band they've been around for years you know that more and more people just know it's like oh yeah they're that band whereas on your first album it's a bit more like oh what's mm. going to happen is the second album going to do anything and lots of bands can end up kind of just fading away and people remember the first album but nothing beyond that and mm. I think we've always we've always tried to like change up every album as we've been going as well um yeah you know in maybe to people outside it doesn't sound quite that different but for us it's always been like quite a change from album to album yeah 
It's interesting you mentioned because it is a new generation has came on on board, haven't they? Uh, interesting to hear you mention the TikTok. So what happened there with, with Greek tragedy? So random and like we had nothing to do with it. We literally had heard that remix like once um, mm. back in 2015 or whatever. And, um, and we were like, oh, cool. Yeah, sounds good. Like, you know, saxes at the end. But remixes in general, you kind of hear them and go like, yeah, sounds good. And, you know, they're going to put it on. It's, you know, it gets different playlists or DJs will play it, whatever, you know, it's an interesting, different interpretation, but that one, I don't even think it was properly released. It was on like a dance head candy remix tape or something like that, or vinyl. Mm. And somehow this influencer in America, I can't remember her name. She found it, liked it, did a video of herself lip syncing along to the start of the song. And then her followers, I guess, started doing the same thing. And it's, I don't know, it's like a way of, they copy each other and, you know, do their own slant on the video and, and then it just, it's like wildfire. It just, it seemed to just go around like hundreds of thousands of people doing all these videos. And we we didn't even know what TikTok really was at the time. You know, we'd heard, we've heard about this new app, but none of us had it. Um, and when our manager said that, we obviously then sorted out like a band TikTok and checked yeah. out the videos. We were like, wow, this is, yeah, this is, this is mad. Um, yeah. And but it feeds into then, you know, your streaming and everything like that's that's our number one streamed song. Now we released it pretty quickly after that, <laughs> re-released it, yeah. um, mm. you know, and that is now one of the biggest streaming uh, songs we have, which is just crazy because it's mm. it was like winning the lottery when you didn't even know you'd entered. Uh, you know, you hadn't even put a ball into the, the little yeah. spinning thing. Um, yeah. And out it popped. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've avoided TikTok up until this, but you hear so many similar stories where it's um, it's been a very useful tool and even better, like you say, when you're not even not even intending for it to be. Yeah, you don't even have a TikTok account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, according to the trusted Wikipedia source, it will be 20 years next year that the band formed. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it'll be. Is it? Yeah, it'll be September 2023. Mm. so how does that feel to, to say that does it feel like time's flown by or yeah it's so mad honestly like yeah like recently we were like yeah we've been a band for like nearly 19 years what is going on <laughs> um you know it's 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 basically half our lives um mm. and it's it feels like it was yesterday when we started but also that it was 19 years ago you know it's, <laughs> it's that it's that weird kind of the way yeah. time works um mm. And so much has happened since then, but it's, you know, still got on stage every night with the same people. And I think like playing some of the like songs are like little time capsules in themselves. So like playing some of the first album stuff, um, it is almost like being transported back to that time just for that, you know, for a brief Mm -hmm. moment. Um, So I think time moves weirdly when you're in a band, it's like living in a bubble. Um, Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it, We've, you know, we, we, we've made a lot of songs together and done a lot of stuff. And it's just really cool that we can, you know, we still get to do it. If someone had said to us back then when we started, like, you'll still be doing this band in 19 years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't have believed them. Yeah. And yeah, because I was going to say, what sort of memories do you have of the um, the early days? So do you think, is there certain things where you'd look back maybe and think, a bit of work to do, should I say? Yeah. The, oh, yeah. Loads of work to do. I think... Some bands get really lucky and just stumble upon, you know, they just glue and it's like straight away. Um, mm. the, the the sound of the band that you kind of end up knowing. Um, but for us, it was it definitely took a like a you know a year or so I'd say of us kind of finding our feet. Like Merv's voice sounded very different in the early days. It was much more kind of um, 
Brian Malko like a bit more nasally, like mm. it was a bit different sounding. And us as musicians, you know, we were coming from different angles on things and like there was loads of great stuff and like it's but it it was us like piecing things together in a way and then um finally you know I'd say after the first couple of EPs we did it all started like oh yeah we know who we, we kind of know where we're heading with this now a bit more um and and we just got more like the more we played obviously you kind of grow as a band as musicians and get more confidence and <clears throat> the more songs you write as well you know the more songs you arrange as a band make as a writer whatever it's like you just get better and better at knowing like where to push pull add hooks do this do that and like mm. um yeah but it definitely took us a few years um yeah yeah because we didn't get signed until 2007 end of 2006 seven yeah. um so it was nearly yeah, it was about three years three years of graft yeah. of graft and, and then pe- driving yeah, driving around the country in my granny's old uh, Vauxhall Aguila. <laughs> we, we used to just like, oh yeah, get. We said to our manager who came on board like in two thousand and five, maybe we were just like, listen, just get us gigs wherever. We'll just go and play anywhere. So we'd go up to like, I don't know, Newcastle one night, then come back and like the guys would go to uni, I'd go to work, and then we'd go up to Glasgow the next night, and then back and same again, and you know Liverpool, and we'd just try and do like three four gigs a week if we could um yeah. not never getting any money for them obviously if we were lucky we'd get like 20 quid for petrol um <laughs> yeah. but you know they were great like such good early de- like early days and mm. i'm glad that we just we kind of just did everything ourselves to begin with um and we had a good few years of that so we you know that's always in our minds of like it's not just we didn't just click our fingers and suddenly we were like playing big venues it took us a long time yeah. building up fans and so we really you know, we love the process of being on the road and doing gigs and winning fans over at festivals and all that side of it. You know, yeah. it's all it's a great. Satis- a satisfying way to sort of yeah. get the results, yeah. And how, what sort of relationship do you have now with with the older songs? I know you mentioned it brings a bit of nostalgia, um, but do you ever you have to play these songs all the time? You know, the big the big hits from the early days. Is it ever arduous, or is it always a pleasure? No, honestly, like. People ask that sometimes because I know some bands can end up with like uh, sort of love-hate relationships with some of their bigger songs or whatever. But for us, I mean, so far, Touchwood, you know, pretty much all the songs that ended up being like quite big, we just love playing them because also because I guess because the crowd reaction is always so um, yeah. so good for those songs. We just, we love it. Like we feed off it and and it, wherever we are in our heads like the crowd just pulls you out of it and like the adrenaline flows and yeah we we, we have a, an amazing time um yeah like mm-hmm. seeing um saw strokes headline Lollapalooza last on Saturday Friday um mm-hmm. last week and um they didn't play last night right yeah um, I think I saw that on the set list yeah I was I think they've done that before haven't they um, yeah and like when they walked off stage loads of people in the crowd were singing the song um just a cappella, and and obviously that's their choice like whatever it's fine but it just feels to me like if, if you've got a massive song that everyone wants to hear and you're playing in front of thousands of people I, I don't know yeah why would you not just play it's like three minutes of your life to give loads of pleasure to that many people um but anyway but every every band's got different you know yeah reasons for being up there or whatever and if they really hate it for whatever reason like we do have there, there are like some songs that you know occasionally it'll be like oh 
are we going to put that one in the set tonight? You know, because as you say, when you've played it that often, um, yeah. but no, nah, all all the all the major big ones, we always we always bang them out. Yeah, good to hear. <laughs> like most bands are of that opinion, but like you yeah, said, they're rather so. they're rather select few. Um, we'll come on to the UK tour um, shortly. But first, it's the theme of the podcast, so I'll ask you the question we ask everyone. Um, we ask all of our guests for three musician picks, past or present, that they could spend an evening with, get to know, pick their brains. Who is your first choice and why? Okay. Um, well, I think first up, I'll probably have um, a little aperitif with um, maybe like Camille Sansons. You know, the classical composer, okay. um, French guy. Um, he did like Carnival of the Animals and he was, he sort of lived in the 1800s, early 1900s. And I, I felt like it'd be nice to have someone from a different time period to get like some really yes. interesting stories and insights into how things were um, back then. And also like The Swan, um, one of his pieces of music is like one of the most beautiful classical pieces uh, I've ever heard. So I would... Um, I'd like to chat to him about that. Um, and then... Interesting to pick that. I've got yeah. time travelling. Um, yeah, time travelling as well. Um, <laughs> next up, I think, like... Um, oh, Moving into the 1900s now. Yeah, we need to go a bit <laughs> on now. Um, I'd probably go, like, maybe Serge Gainsbourg, you know, the, uh, the French French artist... Um, More French, but it's a... yeah, I'm going French again. Well, my fiance is French, so that's probably I was, why. I was about um, to ask, could you speak French? Or... Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, so that, that's 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 also why I get to practice no, my French. Well, no I, la- language barrier, then it's all good. No, we'll and we'll be in a little dive bar in Paris as well, of course. Um, so, <laughs> really? um, and then, um, yeah, because well, to be honest, when you mentioned like having a pint, that guy liked the drink, so I think <laughs> it'd probably be a fun drinking partner. Um, and also, like, amazing career, like, so many stories. Um, yeah. I reckon that would be an interesting one. And then okay. to finish with, um, as we get later in the night, we need to take things up a level. So then Keith Moon. Yes. You know, because <laughs> he liked to party. So um, He did indeed. And, and also fellow fellow drummer, like, amazing mm. drummer. Um, I feel yeah. like that could, that could be really fun. We could have a drunken drum off at the end. <laughs> Sounds good. You'd be surprised to know that your first two haven't been picked before, but uh, I think Keith Moon definitely has. Yeah, I um, can imagine. <laughs> but while we're on the topic, who were your sort of drumming inspirations as well as as well as Keith? Um, yeah, yeah, Keith Keith Moon um, was definitely one. Um, Dave Grohl was probably the main kind of you know. I remember hearing "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Um, on MTV or seeing the video and you know there he is with all his hair just going for it in the school gym and I was like whoa that looks so fun um and I was probably like 12 or something um and yeah I was just from then on I mean I'd been interested in drums anyway because I played in an orchestra um I played the flute in an orchestra and then the drums for whatever reason I was always just I just kept gravitating towards it and asking the drummer questions and in little breaks and stuff I'd you know, he'd give me a few little pointers and lessons and, and that. And then, so it was in the back of my mind. And then, uh, yeah, when I saw Dave Grohl playing. So he, he that would have been a main major inspiration. And then, I don't know, like Jimmy Chamberlain for Smashing Pumpkins drummer. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I was really into them. Um, I mean, I loved all like, you know, Travis Barker, Trey Cool, like sort of pop punk stuff when I was a teenager. Um, yeah. Blink, Green Day and all that, you know, I'd be listening to that sort of stuff. Um 
but then equally like yeah, Radiohead um, so the beat yeah I'm trying to think um, Leave on Helm from the band okay um, he's an amazing like drummer and sings as well um, I think that was always probably why Dave Grohl and like Leave on Helm stuck out for me because they they were both like singing drummers and um, and I loved I, I liked singing and playing drums at the same time as well so yeah yeah um, Oh, interesting. And mm. you did mention that you played the flute, so I'll look forward to uh, seeing that in the Wombats <laughs> in the near future. <laughs> well, it, I, if you look, um, there's a music video online we did. Well, it's not a music video. It's just drunk on a tour bus, but we had this like tour song called Kenneth Clark's Beard. And there's a, I think there's a video of it on YouTube, and I do play the flute in the intro of that. So okay. Kenneth yes. Clark's Beard, live, straight, the Wombats. Straight. I'll be going straight to that after this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, good picks and uh, solid inspirations you've got into there. Um, yeah. On a final note, as I, as I mentioned, we'll look ahead to, to what you've got in store for 2022, which I assume revolves around festivals in the UK tour. So go out. Where, you, where, you, where are you visiting? Sorry. So we're going, we've, we start in uh, about 10 days and we do UK for two or three weeks and then Europe straight away for three weeks. Mm-hmm. then uh, Australia for two weeks or so um, okay. and then it's UK festivals so from now until like mid-June we're pretty much solid mm. and then um, and then yeah festivals in the UK pretty much we're doing Lollapalooza again in, in Chicago but yeah. apart from that it's pretty much UK stuff um, a few more good headline weather, good weather in, in Lollapalooza for the next one I'm I know I'm yeah well actually last time we were in the Lollapalooza in Chicago as well fortunately we'd managed to play but there was a huge storm that hit and they had to evacuate the whole site so everyone went out into like little bars um, mm. and you know just started drinking and stuff and mm. I think Florence and the Machine were, were like delayed by quite a bit for the headline slot that night um, yeah. but these storms these, follow you around don't they I know honestly and then Puckle Pop like 12 people died at that that year oh when God. you know the mad storm that hits mm. we'd played and then we went out we got caught in it and ended up hiding in a container um god i mean with climate change these things are only going to get worse as well so mm. but yeah. it's the risk you run you know outdoor events in general it's like yeah you just you just cross your fingers and hope for the best um mm. we had we had a festival cancelled in australia once because of the forest fires like the bushfires mm. um so if yeah yeah no. <laughs> these well, things fing- happen finger, fingers, fingers crossed, crossed everything yeah. runs smoothly but um what festivals are you looking forward to though because i saw you're on the top banner of the kendall kendall poster yesterday oh yeah so, kendall uh, calling yeah can't wait yeah. for that one um yeah we've never done that before but obviously Not growing up in, no 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 huh? but growing up in liverpool we um obviously like went to the lakes quite a lot so it's going to be awesome and our manager's actually from ulverston um just down the road so mm. he's very excited for that one um board masters we were supposed uh, to do it a couple of years ago, but it got cancelled because again because of the weather. Yeah. Um, there was like a, a storm or something. So hopefully that'll go ahead. That'll be really nice, like down in Cornwall. Um mm. yeah. but yeah, no, it's gonna yeah. be a nice summer, hopefully. Yeah. Better than the last couple, anyway. Definitely, definitely. Sounds <laughs> sounds good. But yeah, th- thanks, uh, thanks so much for doing it. Um been a great oh, guest. Of course. Yeah, thanks for your for your valuable time, as James always says to people. He's not on today, <laughs> so I'll I'll thank thank you for him. Um, yeah, and all the best for the rest of the year. Nice one, cheers, mate. Nice speaking to you. Cheers, bye. All the best, bye. Bye. Yes, yeah, so that was the Wombat's very own Dan Haggis, a big one for me personally. They were the first band I saw, I think, 
and then went on to see them several times in my uh, high school years. So, uh, yeah, quite Apart a... from that X Factor tour. What X Factor tour? That you went to when you were in school. Firstly, when I made that joke, it was primary school, so I'd like to specify that part. Um, and secondly, it never happened anyway, so what's the point in talking about? <laughs> um, you're going to New York, or should I say moving to New York? Um, although well, mm, you're not actually yeah. moving to New York, but you know, you know what I'm getting at? Moving to New York for seven nights. Yes, but have you got problems with your sleep? It, that is not the reason. The reason is um, I quite like the city. Sorry. Right, okay. Have you been before? Yeah. Ah, interesting. I've mm. never been. I'd love to go. Come with me. I'll just jib Jess off. Perfect. Well, then we'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good job she doesn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> and but, she's yeah. probably asleep right now and did not hear that. Good stuff. Um, but Did you enjoy that one, Sean? Of course I did. It's, uh, it was a big one, as I said. Um, I was excited for a, for a long time once it was in the calendar. It seems to be it seemed to have been bubbling for a, for a while organising that one. And um, yeah, just a great fella. Anyway, I'm I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely knackered after after football. So we'll do the socials and get to bed. I think. Yeah, um, where can you, where can you find them? Because I cannot be bothered saying it. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Northern Chorus UK. Tick. Twitter, Northern Chorus underscore. Correct. Instagram, Northern Chorus. Correct. Three Website, www.northernchorus.co.uk. Fantasy Point <laughs> podcast available on all streaming platforms. Full marks, top house, top house, full house. Sorry, I am very tired and it is bedtime. But thank you for listening and see you soon. Ta ta. Cheers.